Audi VW. Total Audi trash. VW? Oh man. Total trash. This is this is where people are going to start to get mad, boss man. Get mad and then you know what? When you buy one, you're going to be even madder. <laughs> Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Yeah, buddy. Welcome back to the TMBA podcast. I am joined, as always, by the boss man, the captain in a captain's chair, the wrencher, the racer, the legend, Mr. Ian Schoen. Welcome to the podcast, my wow, friend. Wow, that's quite an introduction. Thank you so much. <laughs> Happy well, to be on my show. Today's show is really about you and your alternative career path, which you could have done instead of all this entrepreneurship stuff, is you could have been uh, anything to do with cars. I had a mentor early on, though, that steered me away from that path. <laughs> Thank God. Sat me down, and he said, you do not want to be wrenching on other people's cars. You want to be wrenching on your cars. Mm. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. It's like yeah. a case of the cobbler's shoes, right? Yeah. It's this idea a lot of times in certain niches, people get into them because they love that thing. Like you're, you love hiking. Totally. And so you start like a hiking guide business, and you realize, I wasn't into it for the hiking guide part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like hiking on Saturdays. Now I'm hiking every day. Well, we know so many of us around the world right now are suffering, you know, unprecedented challenges because of the coronavirus pandemic. And we want to cover issues relevant to that on the pod, you know, every week. This is like an oldie but a goodie, like a TMBA classic idea. And I think that it ages really well, especially in times like this when people are facing economic challenges. Yes, today we are going to do our first full-blown TMBA episode about the entrepreneur mobile. What's an entrepreneur mobile? Well, boss man, you're bringing the content today. I'm bringing the questions. Got it. Because you could ask me that. Entrepreneur mobile <laughs> is your concept. I know. I was just testing you. I was just making sure you were listening to me. <laughs> so take us through this idea of an entrepreneur mobile, boss man. Well, here's the idea is uh, when I was dead broke, and that wasn't too long ago, I was into cars the same way that I'm into cars now, but I couldn't really afford them. So I was always trying to figure out a way, like, how can I own these cool cars for basically nothing? So I went out deal hunting, and I would find cars that were, you know, priced lower than they should be. I knew that if I drove this car for two or three years and I bought it at its sweet spot, meaning it had new tires on it, new brakes, new shocks, I could probably sell it for the same amount or more two years down the road when I was ready to get something new. And so this is something I've been doing for, for years and years and years. And when we started our first business, I was doing it then. And the requirement was really to spend as little as possible. And to do that, most of the times you have to find these vehicles that are like fully depreciated, meaning they have like gone through all their depreciation cycle. Like someone bought a Mercedes Benz for $65,000 and 10 years later it's worth $6,000. That's a fully depreciated asset. Right. And so I'd go around, you know, picking the coolest and best fully depreciated assets, these cars. And uh, I would drive them for a couple years and have a blast. And then we started talking about that on the podcast because this is like the number one way that people lose their ass. 
is getting into something that they shouldn't be buying, seeing depreciation, maintenance, all this stuff. And when you're starting a business, like this stuff is critical. Like you can't just lose $20,000 on a vehicle. Yeah. And compare this with how many people around the world think about car buying, which is, oh, I'll buy something that's new, safe, reliable, won't break down on me, make sure it gets me to my job or my business. And I'm going to finance it so that I'm only paying $250 a month on this car. Now, what's wrong with that logic? So I wrote an article, it's called The Entrepreneur Mobile, and uh, we'll link to it. And that's what this is all kind of based on. Basically, I I showed projections. If you went out and bought a 15-year-old Honda Accord versus a new one, what you would actually be paying. And there's always this fear, and that's what drives people to do a lot of things. There's always this fear that if I buy an older car, it's not going to be reliable. Or Um, safe. Or safe. Or that I won't have the cash to pay for it. There's all that. Yeah. So this method does require that you have a little bit of cash. You you can't do this on payments. You need to save up and it could even be as little as $2,500. I mean, shoot, I bought you an entrepreneur mobile one time for like $400. You did. Embarrassing? Yes. Did you have any debt? No. Did you own that car outright? Yes. Um, Did it break down? Yes. I kind of felt like a mouse (laughs) driving it. (laughs) But in this article, basically, I, I'll walk you through like depreciation cycles and uh, also just how your emotions can get the best of you when you're thinking about this stuff. You know, for example, with this Honda Accord, you could literally replace the engine in the thing five times over the life of the car, which is, you would just never do for the price of a new one. The idea that these things are less reliable is just not necessarily true. The idea that you're going to be stranded is not necessarily true. You know, that's something that can be solved with a $150 AAA membership. So my aim with this concept really is to debunk the idea of, of old car ownership being a problem. There's a few things that this depends on. Number one is the reliability of a few select types of cars versus others. And we're going to reveal what models and makes those cars are here today so we can all get geared up in a reliable, safe, and affordable way so that we can put more money and time into our businesses ultimately. That's what today's list is all about. But there's a few objections to this idea of the entrepreneur mobile that commonly come up. The first is, what if I don't know that much about cars? That's why you're listening to this show. I've done all the work for you. I've owned a lot of cars, a lot, a lot of cars over the years. And I know what the stinkers are and I know what the good ones are. <laughs> and uh, that's... Just you don't know, violate the rules. Don't violate the rules. <laughs> and yes, of course, I will preface this with there are exceptions to the rules. But if you don't know anything about cars, that's the whole point of this. Is like you don't have to know anything. You just have to follow the rules. What about people's fear of getting ripped off? You know, it's at least when I go to the dealership, there's a number on the thing and I pay that number. What about when I go to the private market, which the entrepreneur mobile relies on this idea of websites that connect you with private sellers? How do you know if you're going to get a good deal or not? Well, there's a couple ways that you can navigate that. Number one, you are certainly getting ripped off probably if you're going to a dealer because that's the business that they're in, not necessarily ripping people off, but they're in the business of margin. Yeah. So they bought that car that they're selling you from a private seller who you could do that on your own or they went and bought it from an auction house. Either way, they have margin built into their price. So 
How do you not get ripped off of the private seller? Well, you should definitely run a Carfax report or some report that you put a VIN number. Every car has a VIN number. It's an identification number. You put that number in there and you can see if it was a car that's been wrecked or stolen or caught on fire and maybe somebody cleverly fixed it. You should definitely run that for every car that you buy. Uh, You should look for a car that has maintenance records. You should look for a car that has long-term ownership. You should just talk to somebody, you know, see if they're honest or not. A lot of times you can get a good vibe when you're with somebody. The other thing that you can do is uh, you can bring these cars for pre-inspections. Most repair shops will offer a pre-inspection report. You can bring it in there for somewhere between $75 and $150. They will check the car out for you. Yeah. As a convert to the religion of entrepreneurmobilism. It's hard to say. I'm a convert. I will say my strongest emotional reaction and one that based on my results over the past decade, I've totally overcome. But the hardest part about this for me was the time involved. The reality is getting a entrepreneur mobile transaction could take you two weeks of part-time effort. You know, that could be anything from 15 minutes a day to a few hours a day, depending on how many people you're speaking with. I think one of the biggest drivers why people just go to a dealership and pick up something new or used and get a loan and everything is that the promises you can get out of that dealership in four hours rather than two weeks. Now, the problem though, is that trying to save just a few hours, if you flipped it around and said, well, that's going to cost you 10 or $20,000, you would take the savings every single time. Well, some people would, some people wouldn't, you know, a lot of people say like, I can make more than that in my business. And if that's the case, Certainly, if you can make that kind of money, then maybe you should be doing that. But that isn't the case with most people that are running small businesses and that are starting out. So I think that a lot of people, especially in America, they spend the least amount of time on the biggest purchases that they make, which is fascinating to me. You know, They walk into a house and 30 minutes later, they decide to put in an offer for $500,000. Or they walk into a dealership because they saw a commercial and then all of a sudden they put down on a $60,000 car and make payments for the next five years. This is one of those things where you do not have to get into cars, you do not have to like cars, but you do have to somewhat take part in the process of buying a car. And I promise you, if you do spend the two weeks to find this car, this entrepreneur mobile, this is a repeatable process. This is something that will stick with you for the rest of your life. It's repeatable. You can do it time and time again, every car that you buy. Totally. And one of the things is if you have expertise in a narrow niche of cars. So say we're going to list off all these cars today. Some of these cars are what you call boxes. Some of these cars are family cars. Some are utility vehicles. Some are sexy, cool race looking cars. There's like a whole broad range of cars we're going to talk about today. If you find a niche or a model that you really like, it doesn't really take that long to learn about what are the major issues with this car. And by the way, if your bun's going to be sitting in that seat for the next five years or what, you might as well know these things about it. And then like you said, it's not that hard to tack on some extra knowledge and pick up the best in class as your business progresses and as your purchasing power increases. Ian, before we get into our list, a few more questions I want to ask you. This strategy, in brief, the entrepreneur mobile strategy demands that you avoid dealers, pay in cash, no the vehicle maintenance history, which you're going to ask for from the seller, and that you buy from ideal owner profiles. Now, what would be an ideal type owner? 
So it's generally speaking, somebody that can afford a lot more car than they've bought into. So my favorite ideal owner is rocking up to like the million dollar house and then seeing the 20 year old Honda in the driveway that's been lovingly owned and and dealt with at the dealership the whole time, you know, and then park right next to it is a brand new Honda. Right. That's only a half a year old. It's like, yeah, we didn't want to bring this thing to the dealership because they were going to give us $500. So I put it on Craigslist or Facebook marketplace. And now I'm asking, you know, $4,000. So this is like a fun entrepreneurial exercise where a lot of us are entrepreneurs during the day. Well, now you can be a trader at night and, and start to figure out who your mark is. Like, on the opposite side of that is like the really fancy sports car that's sitting in a parking lot at an apartment complex. It's like, why did this person buy a $30,000 sports car on payments? You know, there's like leaves falling on it and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I've seen pretty much all these different profiles. There's a, there's like only like 10 different reasons, you know, why somebody's selling a car. There's actually probably less than that now that I'm thinking about it. But, you know, people are in distress. People traded up. People got a new job. There's a couple more, but there's really, when, when you start buying as many cars as I have, there's really only a couple reasons why people sell a car. And if you talk to enough people, you understand that the reasons are pretty limited. One thing I want to note in terms of where to buy these cars, we have a short list here, Craigslist, Facebook, eBay, AutoTrader, how to get a sense of values. You can use NADA, nadaguides.com or kellybluebook.com. One more thing I want to reference before we get into today's conversation is that if you're really getting down to the nitty gritty and you're on your way driving out to a potential purchase or deal, fire up Tropical MBA 425, where our good friend Corey has on the show. That one's called Meet the Deal Master. And you two guys treat this as a science. And it's really cool. What you're about to hear today, I just want to reiterate this is from an exceptional amount of experience. You guys have been involved in hundreds of these transactions. Final thing I'll note, Dan, and this is, uh, this is just relevant to what's going on right now. Depending on when you're listening to this podcast, we're kind of in the middle of this COVID pandemic. The reason this is uh, important is because I've never once considered buying a car from a dealer, but I'm starting to see interesting deals happen at these dealerships because I think they're getting desperate because they have this inventory because they need to move it. So if you're listening to this episode in the COVID pandemic is going on right now, I wouldn't necessarily go to the dealer first, but certainly look around because a lot of these guys are going to be trying to unload these cars. I think the first place you should look though is always Craigslist and Facebook. I think it's fair to say that generally speaking, if you want to buy a car, there's probably never been a better time in the past decade. Okay. So in today's episode, Ian, we are going to bring you some categories of cars, including makes and models. And we think these are the models specifically worth calling an entrepreneur mobile. Again, a vehicle that is fully depreciated. Maybe you could even sell it for more than you bought it for someday. Or even when you do the amortization over the years you've driven it, it's very appealing. Like, well, my car was beautiful and useful and safe, and it only cost me a couple hundred dollars a year to drive. We have to admit that the models listed in today's show are a little U.S. focused, but definitely the insights revealed today will be relevant for our non-U.S. listeners. And if you give us a shout out in the comments, we would be happy to help you find sort of parallel models that might exist in your country. Again, go over to the article and we're going to link to it 
the entrepreneur mobile because if you scroll to the bottom, you're going to see all these people that chimed in in the comments with their entrepreneur mobile. And it's just super cool to see what other people have been driving. It's like a status symbol. It's so cool. We've split these into various categories, including practical, fun, and affordable prestige. So links to all these cars, if you want to take a look at them, will be in the show notes because these originally aired on our live stream just a few days ago that we flashed them up on the screen. Okay, so we're going to warp you guys into our YouTube feed, which was recorded live, and in which we also responded in real time to some questions that listeners posted. So you'll hear some of those too. And we started with the shit list, definition of which, cars which you should not touch for reasons which will become clear. Let me know when, when we're good to go. Uh, I think we're good to go. Yeah, we have slides. I'm very excited about this show. This is something that we've uh, talked about a lot. And we're going to talk about it even more. Entrepreneur mobiles. All right. So here's the, here's the pitch. 10 cars that are under $10,000 that are great deals from entrepreneurs. Of course, we do, we're not able to restrain ourselves to just 10 cars. And also, we're going to talk about some cars that are more expensive for those of you who want to ball out. All right. So no talk of the entrepreneur mobile can start without the list. There's a lot of makes and models that you shouldn't buy. The reason you shouldn't buy these cars is because they're unreliable. They'll drop in value too fast. Just don't touch these cars. I mean, a lot of people get into situations with cars. They think they got a good deal. Maybe they did get a good deal on the price and then they got to maintain it. Right. And then that's where you're going to lose all your money. I've had multiple experiences where I've sent Ian a link to like this badass car. The market knows things that I don't know. And it's like, dude, I can get this like BMW with like this huge 500 horsepower engine. It's like a 2014 and they're only asking $14,000 for it. And he's like, dude, you know why? Like the moment they put that thing on a machine, it's going to cost you two grand. To just yeah. to, you know, that I, kind of I, stuff. I love me an M5, a BMW M5. The V10, it's a total dog. It would be on the shit list. It's going to cost you three times more to maintain it than it would to buy the car. Right. So we want to avoid that kind of stuff at all costs. We want to keep you on the road. Also, safety is a big concern in this list, something we can address model by model. But like safety and reliability, like if you don't have those two things, then what's the point of having the car? Shit list. Let's just go over it. Hyundai, Kia. As in any Hyundai or any Kia, yeah. even though they're not bad cars, some of the new ones. Again, yeah, they're they're fine cars, all right? They've gotten to the point where they're keeping up, in a lot of ways, with Japanese engineering. The problem with these Korean cars is that they lose half their value basically overnight. Dodge. Any Dodge. Any Dodge product is a piece of junk. We're talking about prestige here in a little bit. If you want to go out and buy a Viper at a good price, I, I would endorse that. <laughs> But there are very few Dodge products that I would endorse. Any Ford or GM car. It's simple. And caveat, not truck or high-performance versions. Correct. Any GM car. That's like most cars in America, right? Or a huge Mm -hmm. percentage. Middle of America, not really on the coast. Audi VW. Total trash. Audi VW? Oh, man. Total trash. This is is where people are going to start to get mad, boss man. Get mad. And then you know what? When you buy one, you're going to be even madder. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because you're going to have to fix it. Look, there's a couple German auto manufacturers, Porsche, BMW, Mercedes. Audi VW is at the bottom of that list. The absolute bottom of that list. They are wow. total garbage. Chrysler, Volvo. 
What about Volvo, this sort of image of the reliable family uh, station wagon? Look, Volvo is not made by the Swedes anymore. The older Volvos are tanks from the 80s and even 70s. I think it was like 1995 or something like that. They partnered with Ford and then they started doing their own thing. Volvo is one of the safest cars on the road. There's a lot of other cars that are safe that are also reliable. Patrick says, I drive an Audi A3. Couldn't be happier. Look, there's going to be people that have cars on this shit list that couldn't be happier. Yeah. I'm being a generalist here. And the reason I'm being a generalist is because everybody needs to be able to digest this information and make good decisions with it. I, I mean, I can tell you a couple Audis that are okay that you're probably not going to get a lemon. Maybe the A3 is one of them. I haven't done a bunch of research on that car and I haven't owned it. The reason we're putting this together and the reason we're making it simple is because a lot of people don't want to put a lot of energy into this. They want to be able to just go to this list Pick out a car, say like, yeah, I like the Mazda 3. This has everything I want. Boom. It's on the approved list and you're not going to get screwed. Are there some exceptions? Certainly. And a lot of people love their car brand image so much that it's worth it to them to pay hundreds of dollars a month to drive a car. Sure. And that's totally cool. This is about people who both want a great deal, want to maybe an investment, and also people who want a baseline. Because look, it's like after your rent, it's like your car payment. That's the biggest thing for a lot of people. So. Here's how these cars are going to get broke down. The first are the most boring. They're going to be based on price and practicality. Then we're going to have a, a utility list, so a useful car list. Then we're going to have a fun car list for those of you who love driving. And then we're going to have affordable prestige. Well, we're going to have a list of cars for you guys that look really expensive and classy, but actually don't cost that much. In part because some of these cars that retailed for $100,000 or $80,000. Often they have a, a sort of a softer secondary market. Are you ready to get on the price and practicality? Let's do it. Okay. So here's our price and practicality list. Our very first car, boss man. This beauty is a, a canary yellow Mazda 3. Kind of a cool little kit. I've owned a bunch of these cars on this list and I've definitely owned this one. Again, there's other cars that could be on this list. I just want to create a simple list for people that are looking to get it done. And this is definitely one of the cars that'll get it done. This is a Mazda 3. This is a, a little four-door, what I call a shit box. Okay. This thing <laughs> gets you from point A to point B. It's completely bottomed out in terms of its value. You can get these things from anywhere from $2,500 to $9,000 if you wanted to get a newer, newer-ish one. Yeah. But I think the, the real value in this car is $2,500 to $5,500. This is the most fun car to drive in this class. Okay. This a couple, is a front-wheel drive car. It's a front-wheel drive car. A couple of things that are unique about this car. When you talk about like major maintenance events on these little four-cylinder ship boxes, a timing belt is one of those things. It can cost you between four and $800 to replace, and you got to replace it every 80,000 miles. This thing has a timing chain. So that means that it's not going to need that kind of maintenance ever in its life. It's going to need all the other types of normal maintenance that you'll find in a car, but it's not going to need that. One thing about this car, this Monster 3, is it's like notorious for blowing up AC compressors. So the thing that drives your air conditioner. Not a big deal. It's like three to five hundred dollars every time it does it. That's just something to know about this car. If you find one and the AC is dead, that's probably the fix. But in general, this is a very reliable car that's bottomed out and is fun to drive. The next price and practical, this uh, you might recognize uh, as the Toyota Camry. That's a Corolla. Sorry, Corolla. Yeah. Dan's learning as we go along. I'm learning here. as we go. Here. But here's the thing: Toyota Camry and Corolla pretty much interchangeable go for the four-cylinder. It's a simpler engine. This is like the most boring car you can buy, 
but it's a Toyota product. It's going to last forever. Probably get 300,000 miles out of it. The other thing about this category that's important to, to note is that all these cars are fairly lightweight. That makes them probably not the safest, but that makes them very good on consumables. And when I say consumables, I mean tires, brakes, shocks, things like that. You have to change them very infrequently. When we start talking about things like Mercedes in the prestige category, you got to change those things more often because you're driving a 5,000 pound car. So not only will these cars be cheaper, they're going to be a little bit less safe, but they're going to be cheaper to maintain. Personally, this would be like a good little city ripper for me. But I feel less comfortable if I was doing a lot of road trips and something like this. <laughs> I love it. Eric Dub says, ooh, sexy. Yeah, I totally agree. But- <laughs> All right. We're getting to the sexy part, Eric. Don't you worry. All right. Our third on the price and practical, a.k.a. boring cars, Honda, Honda CRV. CRV. Okay. Honda CRV and uh, a RAV4 around this generation, 2001, are pretty much interchangeable. As far as I'm concerned, they're four-cylinder cars. A lot of them use the same four-cylinder that they use in the car and the SUV. This is just a little bit, you know, you'd have to look at the safety on these things. It's probably a little bit safer because it's a little bit bigger. Yeah. Uh, certainly you can put more crap in it. But, you know, if you want to drive an SUV or a mini SUV, I would recommend the RAV4 or this uh, CRV. And also, we got to give a nod to the other Honda products that make some sense from this era. The Civic, yeah, the Accord. Even the Acura TSX you mentioned would be a decent buy. Yeah, I'd say the TSX can be on this list too. So for those of you that don't know, Acura and Honda are the same company. Acura is the luxury brand of Honda. I would tend to stay away from the V6 models of all those just because there's a bit of complexity. Like unless you want the power, just stay with the four-cylinder. And the TSX is that car. It's got a inline four, dead reliable motor, and it's got leather in it. It's teetering on the prestige level, you know, <laughs> right. but it's uh, basically completely bottomed out. But you really cannot go wrong with a Honda or a Toyota product at this level of car. They've been making quality vehicles forever. Yeah. And uh, you can pretty much pick any of them. And, you know, again, that's why Dodge isn't on this list. Yes, I can pick one or two Dodges over the past 15 years that would go into this category, but I'm making blanket statements here. You have two manufacturers that have provided us with great quality engineering for like decades right that's why it's so easy honda or toyota and yes some mazdas and a couple nissans but i don't really want to go into that because again i want this to be simple one thing before we get moving on to the utility category which is our next category for you business nerds out there part of the cool thing about buying a used car is that they're lindy which means that we have all the advantage of seeing how these cars have behaved over the years. And right. so you're buying into that behavior just like you do when you hire an employee. You don't it's totally you right. want to see the sort of things they've done over the past five years. Whereas if you go out and buy the greatest and latest BMW's wacky new computerized engine, well, it's a crapshoot. But when you say things like that engine's you know robust and powerful, that information is in the marketplace and we see how those engines have performed. Yeah, when's the last time you saw a Dodge Avenger, 1995 Dodge Avenger on the street? <laughs> Never, because they've been in a junkyard since 1996. All right, when's the last time you saw a, a, a Civic, a, a Honda Civic 95 on the street? Yesterday? <laughs> this is the Lindy Principle. That's the Lindy Principle. This is our utility list. So these are vehicles that are for those of you who have a, a specific use case in mind. Sporting, business. Stuff like that. So the first is, can you guess the most popular car in America for millionaires? 
So yes, I know the answer. This this Good car guess. is a little bit counterintuitive, but exactly what you'd expect. It's the most baller car on this list. Is anybody going to guess? Pickup truck, you're getting close. Super Very Subaru, no. A pickup truck can actually make you money. That's why a baller would buy it. Okay, but the real reason why the F-150 is the number one car uh, among millionaires is because it has a gross vehicle weight uh, <laughs> that allows it to be tax deductible. Boom, That's there the you truth. go. So you, you make go. money when you buy this car. That's right. You, your car has to be a certain weight to yeah. be like a uh, commercial vehicle. Why is the F-150 such a great buy? Well, the F-150, and we're going to go to the second one, which I'd prefer over the F-150. Let's just go to it now. There's I mean, a Chevy Silverado. Basically interchangeable. I like the Chevy products in the trucks a lot better, though. Um, just, you know, the fit and finish is a little bit better. I like the power plant from this year range. I've owned probably three of each. You really can't go wrong. I mean, this is Ford's number one product that they've been manufacturing over a long time. I mean, the, this and the Mustang are what, they, what they're known for. I think if that car company imploded overnight, they would still make those two products. The F-150, F-250 a little bit, and then the Ford Mustang. So you really can't go wrong. In this make and model and year kind of era, I prefer the Chevrolet. I we're just looking think at the, a, this is a 2001 right here. Is that correct? Correct. This is a 2001 Generally speaking, the four by fours are going to be worth a little bit more than the two wheel drive. If you're not going off road, don't worry about it. But just know four by four is going to be worth a little bit more. Not really that much more maintenance, but it's going to be more valuable to somebody down the road, probably. These are full size trucks. You know, if you're in Asia, you see all these like mid sized trucks. And certainly here in America, like we kind of like got a Tacoma off that. or a Colorado. Yeah, exactly. And actually, the Tacoma should be on this list. The Tacoma is a good truck. So if you want a mid-sized truck, think about the Tacoma. That being said, I would not buy a mid-sized Chevrolet. Like I wouldn't buy the Colorado. I think if you want a mid-sized truck, something to add to this list that we should do, Dan, is add the Tacoma. Cool. So if you want your bed covered, our next utility vehicle would be the Honda Odyssey. I have a 2011 pictured here. Which is I, probably actually a little bit new for this list. I mean, yeah. we're starting to see this era. This is like $8,500, $9,000. So you will suffer some depreciation because this this automobile will bottom out around forty five hundred or five thousand yeah. dollars. So I've owned two of these cars. They're just amazing cars. In fact, you know, I think they're nicer than the Toyota Sienna, but I don't think the Toyota Sienna would be a bad buy necessarily. Totally. The deal with the Toyota Sienna, as far as I can tell, is they made less of them. There's less available. The Honda Odysseys, there's a million of them. If you 20. look at the production volume of these, they make like 350000 in a year or something ridiculous. So they're everywhere. Again, you can be patient and find the exact one you want. Now, if you go on the YouTubes and you like watch mom blogs, here's what you're going to see. You're going to see some mom with some fancy, shiny Chrysler Pacifica, and she's going to say, we just had to go with the stow and go seats. She's paying $20,000 for those seats. She's paying more than that, buddy. At $80,000 when that thing's out of warranty and it takes a dump, she's going to wish she bought that Honda. So no Chrysler. Stick with the Honda and the Toyota in the minivan category. And for those of you who, like me, don't think of cars as an extension of identity and don't use cars that way, I think a minivan is the most practicality you can get for your dollar in the entire car market. And I'll argue that to the death with anybody. <laughs> I'd like to take a moment to talk about our very own remote jobs website, dynamitejobs.co. 
people are starting to catch on that remote hiring isn't just a luxury or something cool that tropical MBA folks talk about. It is a necessity. In fact, in mid-March, we saw job seeker traffic increase by 50%. Our inboxes have been overwhelmed by qualified candidates seeking to work for companies like yours. Now, we're working to help both sides of the aisle here. With candidates, we're sending out more recommended and targeted jobs, and we've recently launched a resume review service. For remote companies, we've recently launched a remote hiring guide and an application platform for reviewing candidates for your job listings. We've also allowed 100% of listeners of this podcast to post their first listing for free. And if you're looking to hire for an advanced technical or management role, we also have partnered with recruiters to help you get that done. Here's the reality for those of you looking to build your team or find your new normal. There's never been more candidates out there on the market looking to work for companies like ours. Check us out over at dynamitejobs.co. Each job is 100% open, remote, and paid, aka remote jobs that don't suck. Let us help you grow your remote team, dynamitejobs.co. All right, guys, our next category. Now we're starting to get to the good stuff. These are our fun cars. The first one, an absolute classic. This is my favorite configuration right here. You're looking at a 1999 inline six. So that's a pretty powerful little beast. It's important. Yeah, four liter. This is a four by four mm-hmm. hard top, black on black. You like that's, this? That's a Jeep Wrangler. That's a sexy car. This generation of Jeep started in 1998, I think. Uh, but certainly the older Jeeps are cool as well the the jeep has a, a cult following so i mean these wranglers they're always going to be worth five thousand dollars i want to upgrade the jeep following to religious following it is a religious it's not thing. even cult. they have like a wave and everything when you drive by a jeep if you're going to buy a jeep wrangler you have to get the inline six with the four liter they've made a, a four cylinder in these jeeps for a while real enthusiasts don't want this so here's another thing about this list is you want to buy cars, especially in this fun category, that are appealing to other people so you can offload them when you want to offload them. Also, the 4-liter is a great engine. You know, Another Jeep that we can include on here is definitely the Cherokee. The older Cherokees are fine, too. They have the same engine in them. Yeah. Um, if you want one of those... I mean, I see those things sometimes for like $1,500. It's crazy how, how they've bottomed out. The Wranglers, not so much, especially with the hardtop. That hardtop is probably worth $1,200. One of the best-looking cars on the list, this is the E46 M3, actually. Still one of the best-looking cars on the uh, on the list. Let's talk a little bit about the costs involved here. Because this first section of cars, they were completely depreciated. I've had it so they, they pay me. Like, I buy the car for $3,000, and I sell it for $5,000, and I yeah. put $200 of maintenance into it. When we start to get in this fun category, there could be an element of cost depending on how you buy it. But here's the idea. This car is a badass car. It's got 333 horsepower. Because of that, it's a little high strung. You're going to need to look for a couple of things when you buy it. You're going to want to see maintenance records and things like that. It might cost you $20 to drive a month. When you think about that in the grand scheme of how much cars actually cost, if you pay retail and you walk up to a dealer, that is a ridiculous price. I'll tell you this too. Think about all your fun expenses in life. Playing an arcade game, you know, $2. Going to the driving range, $10. Going to the bar, $25. 
this is a good bang for your fun buck for 20 bucks a month is what I'm getting at here. It, it totally is. And the reason why I'm excited about this car right now is because it, I'm starting to finally see these cars be sub $10,000. I tried to buy one a couple months ago for six. I had a bunch of miles on it, but for $6,000, this is an ultimate machine. Next fun car, guys. Porsche Boxster. This is a, a mid-engine Porsche. And again, we're still under the $10,000 potential. Which is crazy. Because right, so, this car so was... we're going to branch out from the $10,000. Like We're still under ten k here. Yeah. A Porsche. You can drive a Porsche. Did you say Porsche or Porsche? Porsche. Porsche. Yeah. Porsche. I'm American. <laughs> and when I go to Europe, I say Porsche, of course. I don't want to be outed. Uh, these cars have completely bottomed out. It's amazing to see. I see these cars all the time for like five grand. If you want a Porsche with a convertible, Porsche Boxer is the car to buy. Uh, there's some things that you need to look out for. The S model is definitely the more sought after, but the base model would be totally cool too. Cool. More fun. Everybody ready for it? This one. I love this car. This is a Mustang GT. This is a 2005-year model. You got a convertible. You got those incredibly cool grill lights. I mean, what are they for? I don't know. Probably lighting up some field where you and a bunch of youth spontaneously <laughs> bust out into a party. This car is amazing. It's in terms of fun to drive. Yeah. For the amount of money that you, you got to spend, they are so torquey that you don't need to drive fast in order to feel fast. That's the, that's the word that we're all looking for when we think about the Mustang is torque. And the way that torque works, you got horsepower and you got torque, okay? Horsepower is a whole different story, right? This is the reason why the Tesla is so exciting. If you've driven in one or you've driven it. Because it has so much torque. So it just like rips you in the back of the seat. That's yeah. what you get in the Mustang. And you can basically do the speed limit and rip yourself in the back of the seat yes. while doing it. And that's why the Mustang is so fun. That's why it's so fun. You can be at... 2000 rpms shift into second gear and just push the gas down and you're at 25 miles an hour you go to 30 miles an hour and you have the time of your damn life and that's really why do. people love mustangs and you can get this car for under ten thousand dollars you can this is a 2005 i will mention uh 2011 to 14 has the coyote motor in it and it's like 400 horsepower man that's a heck of a machine and those are starting to get, you know, eleven grand to fourteen thousand dollars, fifteen thousand dollars. I'm starting to see those almost dip down into this category. But for now, this would be the generation. This is the, uh, I believe, this is the SN197 platform. <laughs> Jeff says, "What about the '80s Fox body with the five-liter engine?" Ooh. Here's the thing, Jeff. Ooh. There's a lot of cars not on this list. Um, I've had three of those. They're amazing machines. The problem with those things is that they're starting to become collectibles now. So you can still find good deals on them every once in a while, but they're really climbing in value. So if you wanted an appreciating asset, that's probably one of those cars. I saw a nice one the other day here in Austin going the market for 10.5, for example. I mean, that's, Which a, is that's crazy. a lot of money for a really old car. Well, that's basically uh, around what they were new, between 10 and 15, to, depending on the year. So... Yeah, I agree with that. The 80s must yes, they're becoming very collectible. These 80s Mustangs, the Cobra being the most collectible in 1993. I mean, I've seen those with low miles for forty to seventy thousand dollars. If you can find yourself a GT or an LX, got to be the V8 for sub ten thousand dollars in really good shape. There's a good chance it'll be worth twenty thousand dollars five years from now. All right, everybody, are you ready to put on your fancy pants? Because we're about ready to go above the ten thousand dollar mark. So we're going to go from deal seekers to balling out just a little bit, but balling out intelligently. 
There's a couple of these cars that are going to be on the sub 10,000 too, and we'll point them out, but some of them are above 10,000. Right. And it really depends on the model year and stuff like that. Affordable luxury. Here we go. Number one, one of Bossman's all time favorite cars. There's one sitting right in front of us. Ooh, this she's is a beaut. And this car has such a timeless design. If you ask the average person what year, this is a 2006 model in front of Mine's us. Mine's a 2006. This 2006 here. A person off the street would say this car is five years old, four years old, whatever. It looks timeless. You get inside of it. You shut the left door. This is the Mercedes E350, and it's like, clank. It's got that Mercedes thing. It's like, you ain't getting out of here unless you really pull this. And then you hit your, your leather seats, your heated leather seats. All right? yeah. And then you turn up the 25-speaker sound system in it. Right. What is this? An eighty-five thousand dollar car new? Uh, sixty-five thousand dollars new. Mine. Okay, mine's a two thousand six. It's the W two eleven platform. Sixty-five thousand dollars new. I bought it with sixty-five thousand miles on it for. Wait for it. He fudges this number a little bit sometimes. Give us the real one. Six thousand bucks. Six thousand yeah, dollars. Six thousand dollars. Six thousand dollars. Yeah. It's a beautiful car. I mean, <laughs> dude, the amount of luxury. And I've done absolutely nothing to it. Like, that's the truth. And here's here's why this car is on the list. Mercedes has been putting this 3.5 liter V6 in cars for a long time. And that's, again, the Lindy principle. It's like, which cars, which engines have been around the longest, yeah. which will continue to be around. There's a lot of other Mercedes that I like. You know, there's really powerful AMG V8 Mercedes and all this stuff. The problem is that a lot of them are one-off engines. They haven't been around that long. They're massively complex. This E350 is as simple as it gets. It's a luxury vehicle with a dead simple power plant. And that's and, why it's on this list. And honestly, like if you're talking about, we're talking about prestige here, you look good in this car. This car makes you look classy. It makes you look thoughtful, successful. I'm starting to see these around 10,000. A really nice one would be 15,000 with maybe 70, 80,000 miles on it. Let's say uh, this about these Mercedes too. They're some of the safest cars on the road. Again, you can go online and you can look up the safety statistics of these cars. You can actually watch every single car get crashed. Okay, so Just the government imagine your loved ones in, in the seats. I do it all the time because they show the dummies like shaking around. You can see the difference. You yeah. watch a watch a video, go watch crash videos of Mercedes from the government getting crashed, and then go watch a video of a Mitsubishi whatever. Suzuki sidekick. Yeah. And the I mean, <laughs> the people in the back are dead. So it's interesting to me that this car, being as old as it is, 15 years old, is still one of the safest cars on the road. Last thing about these Mercedes, and this is one of the reasons why I love Mercedes in general. I got a letter the other day. It's like Mercedes-Benz USA addressed to me. I open it up. They have a, a, a recall on the sunroof in this thing. They're like, hey, just want to let you know there's a bonding agent in the sunroof here that could come unbonded, causing the sunroof to pop out. Please bring it into us. This is a, a, we'll a recall. It. We will, if we find a fault, we'll fix it for free. They're recalling a fifteen-year-old, yeah, a fifteen-year-old car. Not many car companies do that. Mercedes is one of the ones that does that. I'll tell you and another car company that. Here's does the that. reason why they do it. Honda does it. Honda does it. The reason they do it is because the same reason that I like it. When I open that letter, I think I'm buying another one of these. Men. I know what you entrepreneurs are out there thinking. Great direct response follow-up sequence. Totally. This is great. I get letters from Honda about my old-ass vans as well, citing the most ridiculous things that don't need to get fixed, but offering to fix them 100% free. Bring that down to the Honda dealership. 
you're part of the Honda family because you bought some $6,000 beater from some bro off the street two it's, years ago. It's totally it's cool. Awesome. It's so cool. You know who doesn't do that? My last Chevrolet truck that developed a shake, brand new truck, developed a shake. It's like well-documented on the internet. Roll into the Chevy dealership. Ah, uh, we don't know what you're talking about. I mean, class action lawsuits, all this stuff. So yeah. some of these car manufacturers, Mercedes and Honda being one of them, really stand behind their products. All right, next car on the list. Woo! This is the 996. We were going to put this. You can't get these for under 10 grand yet, can you? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, you can. Yeah. Okay, so this is a, a Porsche 911 996. This Wait, is... are we in the pre- we're in the prestige category. The last one, some those are more than ten thousand dollars too. That's that's part of the defining feature of this category. Is like you're going to have to spend a couple dollars to maintain right. these things. Got right? it. Yeah. So these cars are more expensive than ten thousand dollars. But you can. I've seen a couple of these go for less than ten thousand dollars. Okay. But most of these are in the teens. These cars are experiencing a little bit of a rebound because they like, are when they came out. If you look at the headlights here, so this is like the flagship Porsche sports car, the classic. The coolest car of all time, if you ask me. It is. But then in this model year, the 996, they have these, uh, what do they call them? Like fried egg headlights? They call them runny egg headlights. This runny is ridiculous. Eggs. Everybody's going to forget the about pro- this. The problem was, is when you looked at the range that year, they shared the same headlights as cars that were much less expensive. And the Boxster and everything yeah, else. So it kind of sucked for mistake. the 911. Don't do that in your product you know, business. If you're going to have a, a high-end product, you got to differentiate it. And Porsche failed to do that. And, and and Derek is absolutely right. He says, check the IMS bearing. There is a fault in these motors, and it's called the IMS bearing, and we don't need to get too much into it. But basically, if the IMS bearing has been upgraded or repaired, that is one of these cars that you want to buy. All right. And these went from 1999 to 2004, this generation. Again, this is a lot of car for a little bit of money. And if, especially if it's had the upgraded IMS bearing, that is definitely what you want to look for cool. in these cars. And yeah, I have seen them for less than 10 grand, but I do think that these things are on a rebound. I think if you can find a really nice 911, 996, which I've seen for twelve dollars to $15,000, there's a good chance a couple of years from now it's going to be worth 20s. And in fact, I've seen like pristine examples, like 2004, a little bit of a different motor in it going for like upper 20s again. What's so, crazy about some of these cars, you can actually make money off of buying a used car. How correct. How crazy is that? So cool. All right, right here we have a BMW x3 arguably you could put this bad boy in the fun category this could be in the fun category it could also be in the first category which is less than five thousand dollars although i would not probably advocate buying one of these for less than five thousand dollars this is the first generation uh x3 again you know bmw and mercedes these engineers they just think they're so damn smart and they just start over complicating and over engineering shit that doesn't need to be engineered it's awful to try and repair these things but the first generation x3s the three liter motor, the 2.5 stout, they've been making those motors forever. I would advocate for those. The newer ones, I probably wouldn't own without a warranty. I mean, there's just so many computers and sensors in these things. Okay, so you're saying the model years that we recommend are 2003 to 2010. Yeah, unless you want to you know, buy one with a warranty or expect a little bit more repair bills, that's the first generation. So if I'm on the market, say, for a 2008 X3, what kind of cash are we talking about, ballpark? Where we- oh, man, I see these things for sub 10 all the time. What do we got here? This is the BMW 330. This is a four-door? This is a four-door. Somebody actually mentioned this in the comments earlier, so I'm glad that we could just surprise you with this. <laughs> Specifically, the 2006, I think, is the best year for the 330. There's a bunch of different variations. There's a 325. There's a 323 in uh, Europe. I don't really... That wasn't a they have very a, popular a car. version as well. They have a two-door version. 
But here's the thing about this 2006 330. Stout motor, and it was the last year before things got crazy. And when I mean crazy, in 2007, they went to a different motor. They had turbos. They had all this complexity. This is the last analog, very simple BMW to work on. So if you want something four-door and you want something fun, and if you want, if you're like a BMW person instead of a Mercedes person, this would be the BMW that I would buy. All right. Here we got a Porsche Cayman. Cayman. A Cayman. So Cayman was this model that sort of sits in between the 911 flagship and the small Boxster convertible. Correct. So the Cayman is interesting. Um, When the Cayman first came out, Porsche and a lot of people were scared that it was going to sabotage the 911 because it had very close figures to it, like horsepower, acceleration, handling. Yeah, it's a very, very good car. It's a mid-engine car. I would recommend it. You're starting to see these Caymans actually go for the teens now, like, you know, middle teens. Cayman S, again, the S models and all the Porsches are like the upgraded models, not necessarily in trim, but in motor. If you're looking to spend a little bit, you know, you don't want the normal Boxster. You can't afford the 911. Cayman's a good place to land. Cool. Next car. And depending on the circles you run in, this may or may not be a prestige car. This is the classic Corvette. This is the C5 model years. And personally, I'm, I love what Corvette does. I love how much power and handling they give you for the money, you know. I don't really love the look of this car. I don't really like the interior of this car. The interior is dog shit. Let's just get right to it. I mean, it's just absolutely <laughs> awful. Any Most G- GM interiors are awful, though, right? Yeah. You almost feel like this is the top-of-the-line sports car from GM, and you feel like you're, you're, you're getting into some sedan. or You know what I mean? It just feels like the most average kind of... The seats are awful. Everything about it's awful. But you're driving a Corvette, and here's the thing. It's like the Mustang. It's got tons of torque, and you're seeing these things completely bottomed out. You know, the... Corvette's one of these cars that loses value just like, boom, just falls straight to the ground. You know, the new generation Corvette came out. Everybody's like super excited about it. Mid-engine. It only comes in automatic. So I won't be buying that. It looks kind of like a Ferrari. It looks like a Ferrari. It's a ton of car for the price. But again, everything's just going to bottom out. I see these cars all day long for less than $10,000. This is a C5. The C6s are also dropping down into the teens, which is the newer generation. They didn't have the pop-up headlights. This car right here. The Toyota Prius. This is on the prestige list. This is on the prestige list. Yeah, because this is a car that, let's face it, says something about who you are. That you care about the environment. That you care about companies taking on progressive challenges. A lot of people buy the Prius for that very reason. And I think it does signal those things. In fact, I can think about my friends who drive Priuses and... They are it, conscientious a, people. It's a signaling mechanism. Yeah. Like it, 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 That is exactly what it is. And here's the thing. I've never owned a Prius. I don't know much about them, but they get great reliability reports. I still see first-generation Priuses on the road. The biggest thing to, to think about with these hybrid cars is the battery. The battery is what's expensive. But here's the good news. Toyota's been making the Prius for so long now and that there's so many uh, companies that support it that you can get a, a new or replacement battery for relatively not so much money. So first thing you want to check is like, when was the battery replaced on this thing? How old is it? If it's got an original battery, I think there's ways to tell like what the charge capacity is within the interface and all that. But you know what? This is actually the only hybrid car on the list. But the reason it's on the list is because they retain their value and because they're relatively inexpensive to fix. 
Cool. Great gas mileage goes without saying. Final car on the list. I always think of this as like the Matrix car. It might not be the exact one in the movie, but the the Cadillac CTSV. This is a, a Cadillac. This is a GM car. Right. You're GM right. GM car. This I was going to say. This rules. is confront. All the rules are out of here. <laughs> <laughs> this is confrontational, man. <laughs> and here's the reason it's on the list is because they don't seem to be losing their value. It has an LS motor in it again, so a very reliable motor. Yeah, fit and finish is GM. But here's the thing: if you have always wanted to drive a Cadillac, if you like the way that they look, if you like the way they sound, they're fast. Uh, CTSV is the way to do it because that's their flagship Cadillac. And for whatever reason, a lot of people like this thing. And I'm seeing them for 25 grand, like 10 years old. Well, they're fun to drive. They're they fast. are fun. They're very, very fast cars. Okay, so that concludes. The list of cars. Cool. Well, geez. Woo! Surprise. Anybody it. surprised we went long? I know you enjoyed that one, boss man. I could talk about this forever. Yeah. I mean, this is Nerdville, USA. What I love about the entrepreneur mobile concept is you've taken your extreme nerdiness. And you've produced a concept and a method that the rest of us can apply it, save a ton of money and drive really awesome cars. And that's cool. We were down riding bikes, bicycles the other day. And uh, I don't know if you saw it. You probably didn't. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it just one of these things that only I noticed. But this guy drove by in like an older Honda Civic, you know, and the paint was all peeling and everything. And I go, that's my people right there. <laughs> that's my guy. That's a, that's a financially responsible guy driving a very good car. I like that guy. That's very cool. Well, let us know if you have an entrepreneur mobile or if you have any agreements or disagreements with today's list. We will check the comments to this episode. If we can help any of you who don't live in the USA, we love to talk cars. Uh, hit us up in the comments and hit us up on the live stream as well, which is where this originally aired. That's over at YouTube. Just go to YouTube, type in Tropical MBA. We're doing a lot more of those. Now that we're locked more, up. Now, we're, now that we're locked up, not as much driving as we used to do, but we're planning for the future. That's it for this one, boss man. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back as always next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.